Good morning, and uh, this is Driving Theology. It's Mike. Uh, this is the second podcast I'm going to record this week because next week we'll be off. Uh, well, be off. I'll, I'll be doing something different on Wednesday. Uh, I've got a concert next week, so I thought I'd go ahead and uh, double up this week and just nip that in the bud. I'm uh, running a little bit later than usual. Uh, how many of you guys suffer from allergies of one kind or another? You know, there are kind of two levels of allergies. You've got the life-threatening kind and the, and the life-crushing kind. <laughs> and I suppose the life-threatening is both. I have the life-crushing kind where it just makes life suck for a couple months out of the year. Uh, I have pollen allergies, and I am allergic to, uh, the main one is the uh, cedar tree here in Japan, the pollen of the cedar tree. And if this sounds a little muffled, more muffled than usual, I've got a mask on. I'm wearing a mask uh, to, to minimize the uh, pollen allergies that go into my bloodstream. Hopefully that'll work. Um, but yeah, I've uh, been dealing with allergies since my 20s, so going on 30 years, I guess. I didn't really have them as a kid, and it may be because I, uh, where I grew up at, where I lived uh, in America, I was born and raised in the same area till I was like 13 and uh, I suppose yeah I this is a theory of mine but I think if you're exposed to various air, airborne uh, particles that cause allergies in some people if you're exposed to those before six months you develop an immune immunity to them or you don't become allergic to them that at least that's my uh, that's my um, yeah theory. Don't know if that's right. Certainly. Uh, but I wonder. wonder if that might not be the case. Um, but after coming to Japan and being exposed to all of the cedar allergies or all of the cedar pollen, which didn't exist where I was from, or at least not the specific kind, uh, they hit me like a ton of bricks, and I'm pretty, pretty sure the first year I got here, it was hard. But I had had a few allergies in Oklahoma, which is another place that I lived that I did not grow up in. And I want to say those were more like fall allergies, what we call, you know, hay, hay fever, something like that. Um, yeah, but uh, in Japan, I've, I've pretty much since I got here, I've suffered for them and they just make life miserable uh, I don't know how, how else to put it whether it's the medicine that kind of knocks you out or just the constant itchiness that you feel around your nose and your eyes and your face uh, you know it's not just the, the insides of your eyes uh, or the inside of your nose but actually all the skin around your nose all the skin around your eyes um, are bad and of course whatever's going on with your nose and eyes 
gets transferred to your throat, so you can have a scratchy throat quite a bit. Uh, and uh, and then just the sneezing, you know, the, the bouts of sneezing. It's almost like a flare-up, I guess, of, of other things. You know, it's just, you don't really have it, doesn't bother you, but when it comes, it comes with a vengeance and, and it kind of knocks you out. Well, of course, I'm able to function, sort of. I've learned to live with allergies um, somewhat. I, I try to take medicine preemptively when I feel something coming on. I, I uh, carry a nose spray and eye drops with me just in case I need to uh, kind of knock it back so I can function, but sometimes it, that doesn't work. And somehow, you know, I have to, for example, today I'm going to have to teach a whole day of classes. <laughs> while fighting off allergies and hopefully my body will kick in. I had an allergy reaction yesterday and sometimes the day after is better. So far it feels a little better than yesterday but not enough to think I may not have a reaction again today. So I'm taking extra precautions with the mask and, and uh, things like that. But you know there, there are things in life sort of like allergies that, that people uh, deal with out of no fault of their own right there's there's no uh, no reason why I should deal with uh, seasonal allergies and the next person shouldn't right there's it's it's completely arbitrary it's something I'm born with and it's something that changes me right it does something to me it probably makes me a little bit more irritable during this time of the uh, year may even cause a little bit of depression you know it causes me to you know sometimes wish that I could move away from here to go to a completely different place where I don't have to deal with these allergies um, man I've thought about it I tell you that I've thought about it <clears throat> uh, but I love this country in so many other ways um, but those allergies man they really come hard this time of year the thing is, they're caused by cedar trees that were planted in, in huge numbers after World War II, or maybe even during World War II, uh, to replenish the forests in Japan because uh, so much of the wood was used uh, in its empire building over the years uh, and during World War II. That, that there was really no trees uh, left on this whole island. And so they started planting these fast-growing, straight-growing, straight fast-growing cedar trees, which are really good for building. Uh, um, they're, they're a good tree in a lot of ways. The problem is there's so many of them that they release this pollen. Um, every year and uh, you know days like yesterday and today when it's really windy uh, the wind helps knock that pollen off the trees um, and it just you know it's just in the air everywhere uh, it's as light as the air or close to it so it just you know everybody's breathing it it's just that some people don't have the ability uh, to process it without their body reaction, uh, reaction, uh, 
reacting. And I'm one of those people. Uh, yeah, I keep going back on this. I, I hate allergies. I don't even know how to begin to to talk about how much I hate allergies. I hate having to live like this. Um, but everybody, everybody has something. And whether it's, you know, something that, that they've inherited from their family, uh, for example, self-image or or uh, self-esteem issues. Uh, there are all kinds of things that we have in our system that are bad for us that we have acquired through no fault of our own. Uh, lots of things. Um, and it's because all of the formative years, the years that, that are most important to us uh, deciding you know who we are personality wise and and deciding what's true and what's not true all of those formative years happen when when we don't have the ability to think for ourselves and or at least think well for ourselves we have no knowledge right we are born into this world pretty much as far as we can tell a blank slate uh and so uh we <clears throat> we acquire all kinds of things that other people put into our heads and pretty much believe them. Okay. Uh, and that's because the same thing has been happening to uh, everybody everywhere for all time. Right? We, we receive a certain amount of knowledge and, and really we receive a paradigm uh, a foundation on which we uh, live our life. We receive that paradigm from our parents. Uh, and it takes a whole lot of work to, to reconstruct that paradigm or to, to disregard that paradigm and bring in a new one if we are to do that. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, but with that paradigm come a lot of... Uh, uh, I guess uh, opinions and, and beliefs and, and values uh, all come along with, with having lived with our parents for the first, I don't know, say three to six years of our life. And that goes a long way to determining how we will act in the world for the rest of our lives. Um, and some of it is good and some of it is bad but the point I'm trying to make is that none of it uh, is our fault right all of it is something that, that just happens to us and it happens to everybody everywhere and I think that the part of that paradigm that I most that I appreciate the most and I, most of it I think I got from my father. Uh, sorry, I just hit the mic. Uh, is, the, is the humility by which he held his beliefs. He, 
he did have some pretty strong beliefs and opinions and values, uh, but he always seemed to hold out the possibility that he was wrong about stuff, right? That, that you know, pretty sure this is right. Pretty sure. He wouldn't say this, you know, he wouldn't ever say 100% absolutely sure. No, he would, even if he was really sure, it would be really sure. He wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't exaggerate um, what he thought was true. And he always left this, this room for uh, exploring the truth, for digging deeper. Uh, and I suppose that's something that he must have gotten from his father or maybe from his mother. Or it could be that he made a paradigm shift at some point in his life. Um, which is something you have to do, I'm pretty sure you have to do intentionally. It's not something that's going to happen by accident. A paradigm shift. Uh... <clears throat> So, yeah, that's, that's the good thing, I think, that I got from my uh, father, uh, was, um, was the ability to, no matter how sure I am about something I believe, the ability to, to hold that lightly and, and humbly and always be uh, being ready to have that challenged and being open to new evidence um, that might challenge my, my belief. Um, but so many of the people that we meet on a daily basis and, and probably the people that we dislike the most uh, are people who who had the worst uh, of the of the stuff that we get from our parents, right? Who who were on the the low end of receiving good stuff and received mostly bad stuff. But again, you know, you, you have to look at this that it, by and large, people are who they are. That people have negative characteristics that they have through no fault of their own by and large right they they have their formative years have made them who they are and who they have continued to be to this day now some of us you know come up with ways uh, to to mask our our uh, bad bad poor values or 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 antisocial characteristics or whatever you want to say that the, the things that society tells us that are not good for us. I think many of us have ways to, to kind of hide that in order to just, you know, live more harmoniously with society to be able to, to get by. <clears throat> um, we have ways to... We figure out that there are things maybe uh, that we have that society does not deem to be uh, proper right and and we quickly learn to to 
suppress those tendencies and those those thoughts and feelings or or whatever. Um, but all of that stuff, all of that stuff that we we have that we can't figure out how to fight, we can't figure out how to how to deal with, right? Let's say you have an addiction to uh, alcohol, right? Now something in your past that happened during your formative years have made you very susceptible to addiction, right? This This is how I understand it and I'm no psychologist. And that is through no fault of your own. That is something that happened. Maybe somebody did something to you. Maybe you were just exposed to alcoholics. Maybe, you know, I don't know how that would work. But you have, you have come into adulthood with this uh, tendency toward addiction, substance abuse. Okay? So it's something that you know you shouldn't do and you, you fight hard to suppress it. Uh, but despite all of your best, best efforts you are unable to, right? And you will succumb from time to time to this uh, addiction. So the question is, right, if we're talking about addiction, and and I think a lot of people, if, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of the things that we fight against that we wish were different um, would fall under the category of some kind of addiction, whether it's a, you know, addiction to some kind of substance or some kind of behavior. Um, If there's something in your life that you wish you could change that you just find it almost impossible, or you have up to this point found it impossible, I think we'd we'd categorize that under addiction of some kind. Um, So the question is, what is the next step, right? What is the next step in, in figuring out how to get past that? And here's the thing, I don't have the answer. I, who, if somebody has the answer, please tell me. Now, I, I, know, I know the answer verbally is Jesus, that Jesus releases us and has the power to release us, right? Uh, and so I, I suppose that there must be something in, in accepting the paradigm of Jesus, right? Who Jesus says we are, um, and how Jesus thinks about us. That accepting His paradigm of us should go a long ways in uh, healing us from various addictions, things like this, behaviors and whatnot. Um, but so far, if I look at you know at the things of my own life that I wish uh, I could I could change, that I wish I could be released from, even though there have been moments of victory, moments that I thought would go on forever because they they were they were so hard fought for that I could never go back. 
uh, have come back, right? Um, and so, you know, how, how, how you get past that is still a mystery to me. But I'm pretty sure there's something to do with, with a paradigmatic belief or value that was placed into me at a very young age um, that somehow I need to replace with something more healthy, something more like Jesus. But how to, how to get in there, and, and it's almost like DNA surgery, right? That whatever happens to you in your formative years, it becomes part of your DNA, you know? And, and going in there and surgically removing uh, and replacing a gene or something is kind of what we're talking about. <laughs> Um, just to get real with you and who knows I may not post this when I was uh, I think now I'm not sure about exactly how old I was but I think I was around 6 maybe 7 maybe 8 I don't, I don't know I was at a friend's house and for the very first time I was exposed to pornography uh, I was shown it as far as I remember, one image. And the one image has stuck in my head all the way up to this point. Uh, it was an image that, that of course, contained nudity uh, of both a male and a female. And it made such an impression on me at that time uh, that I, to this day, I still can see the image in my head. It, it, I took a picture of that image and it has remained on my brain. Uh, now to say that men struggle with, with uh, all things sexual is sort of an understatement, right? Um, many men, well, and, and, and women, I suppose. I, I just don't, you know, I'm not sure how that goes with women exactly because I'm not a woman, but many men struggle with sexual things and I have struggled with lust my whole life. It's something that, that I've always been ashamed of and felt guilty for uh, and wanted to be released from to the point of tears. Um, and yet it's something that just seems to uh, return again and again, sort of like, sort of like allergies, <laughs> sort of like allergies. Um, and of course there are times, you know, in every day or even weeks at a time or months at a time where I feel released from that, where I'm able to for whatever reason, stay so focused uh, on a project or, or something that I'm doing that that falls to the wayside. Um, but by and large, I, I have just hidden. I've just you know covered up and 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 tried tried to uh, remove that image of, of myself from 
people's minds by by not following those urges uh, and certainly not making it public that's that's you know something that that I have uh, learned to do you learn to do whatever you have to do to live in society to live in polite society if you will and so yeah I, I've come up with you know just just through my 50 years of living on the earth, I suppose, you come up with ways to, uh, to survive in society and, and keep the things that society deems impolite um, out of society's view. Uh, but inside my head and inside my heart, um, things, in the grand scheme of things, uh, lust has not gone away from me. I, I've not been healed, if you will, of that. That's something that, that keeps and continues to come back up, right? Uh, and I, I know many men who deal with this, and I'm sure there are many men who don't. Uh, and I'm, I can't say I'm not jealous of the men who don't. Uh, because I am. Um, but, you know, I was a child and, and something got into my head, got into my system, got into my DNA, if you will. Uh, and and uh, I think on top of that, uh, I, would, I would say that there was nobody there who knew that happened, who cared enough to help me process what I had seen and so it's something that that just through you know normal childhood activity you know exposure with older kids around and younger kids around um, that it it wasn't dealt with it was actually made worse and worse and worse and once you know once that Pandora's box Pandora's box uh, is open uh, it's just sort of an avalanche, you know. It, there's only one way to go with that. It's very difficult to go back. It's very difficult to come back from something like that. Um, and yet, I know that most people have a story like this. There's, you know, something uh, in our in our pasts uh, that's similar. Whether it's something sexual or something. Uh, substance-based or some some idea uh, of inferiority or superiority or whatever it is there are things that get into our DNA our personality DNA you know whatever makes us who we are and it's very difficult to extricate Now, be that as it may, <clears throat> uh, I do. I do believe that whether or not that ever gets taken care of, uh, I do believe that Jesus's grace will cover that, and does cover that, and has already covered that. Um. I would rather 
be healed from it. I would rather not have to deal with it. I would rather it not be something that saps my energy or, or you know, brings on uh, sadness or frustration. And of course I pray that that will be the case, that, that I will be released from that uh, parad paradigmatic image that was imprinted on my brain at a young age. Um, yeah, I would love to be delivered from that. Um, but until that time, I just have to keep suppressing it the best I can. Uh, keep trying to, to keep my mind on, on holy things, on, on righteousness, right, on good things. Um, <clears throat> and I suppose being open about it and learning from others is something that I can do as well. Ever since I was a teenager, I have reached out to people in authority for help. But so few people uh, have, have had any success in this area that, you know, uh, they're reluctant to, to try to help us solve it. They're, they're reluctant to say anything. Uh, because, you know, there are no guarantees that what they say will have an effect. And I wish they would have said, I wish people that I've talked to would have said, um, that, you know, welcome to the club. This is something that many people deal with. Uh, and Jesus' grace is bigger than your problems. And he loves you and he accepts you and it doesn't cause him to uh, to love you any less. So just remember that. That's the most important part. And then to keep going forward. You know, keep keep just doing your best. But realize that Jesus' greatest grace is not contingent upon your efforts. Uh, and really I think that's the that's the best anybody ever could have done for me. And I think that's enough. And so that's where I am today, where I'm trying to, uh, number one, uh, realize that God's grace is for everyone, regardless. Uh, and then number two, try to try hard to accept it for myself. Um, <clears throat> so no, I don't have the answer. I haven't figured it out. I haven't been released from it, not for any significant amount of time. Um, but I still think the most important part of that is that there is healing that is planned for you, complete and utter healing that will come one day. And until that time, 
Jesus Christ does not hold it against us. That's pretty important. That is really important. And that can alleviate some of the pressure that we feel. Right? To, to be perfect. Uh, and hopefully it goes it goes a long way toward uh, bringing us closer to a solution. But in one sense, the solution is already there, and that's Jesus, and that's done, and that's guaranteed, uh, and, and there you go. You may not feel healed, but it, you are indeed healed, at least in a sense. So, yeah, I'm going to probably cut this a little bit short. I'm running late because of road construction. Um, and, um, yeah, this happened exactly the same way the other day. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, there you go. Um, I've said something I've never said on here before, I think, maybe. Uh, and I would love to... Uh, have a conversation with you about it if you are so inclined so reach me on Facebook um, or leave a comment on SoundCloud or iTunes and, and I will do my best to get back to you thanks a lot bye bye <laughs>